I think we all still have that crippling self-doubt that, you know, am I going to get found out? Power to Live More with Joe Dodds. Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience. I'm Jo Dodds and I started this show to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean to do the stuff that they want to do more than the stuff that they need to or should do. It's about creating a life for yourself where you have the energy, health and space to be happy and fulfilled, spending your time as you'd like, whether that be at work, home or somewhere else entirely. That's your choice. Hello. My name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter and today Joe's interviewing Nick Marks of Friday Pulse. Nick and Joe connected via LinkedIn. Nick says he was once delightfully described as a statistician with a soul, probably due to his combination of hard analytic skills with his soft people skills. He trained as a psychotherapist when younger. He was an advisor to the Blair and Cameron government on how to measure and improve population well-being. He did a TED talk in 2010 on this work. Since then, he's focused on work, especially happiness and positive team experiences. He created Friday Pulse as a platform for organisations to track employee well-being and improve team morale. He's passionate about the science of emotions and how they help us function in the world. Back to the studio. Today I'm interviewing Nick Marks of Friday Pulse. Thanks for joining me, Nick. Great to have you with me. Thanks, Joe. Nice to be here. We were just saying we're recording this in, uh, I'm in week three or four, four I think now, of, uh, of our self-isolation. So it's, uh, it's an interesting time. I, I uh, think most of the other podcasts that um, I've got recorded were done before we sort of got to, to this stage. So uh, it's, all, it's all a bit odd at the moment, isn't it? It certainly is unusual times, yeah. And I mean, I think for, for those of us that are comfortable in our lives, you know, comfortable financially, comfortable in our relationships, comfortable in our homes, um, it's a sort of, it's, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, if, and if you haven't lost your job, and of course there's an awful lot of that going on, and you're not self-employed. So there's an awful lot of people that are really, really struggling. I'm in the group that's actually, it's, it's not too difficult for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I live in a nice house I I love my wife so I don't mind being with her and so you know it's 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 all good yes yeah yeah. so tell us a bit about who you are and what you do and where you usually do it and where you're doing it now (laughs) (laughs) so I'm a I'm a statistician by trade uh so uh I'm a I'm a numbers geek but I also trained as a therapist so I have a sort of unusual combination between hard analytical skills and soft people skills and that's sort of taken me on a career where I've basically tried to measure soft stuff in a way in a sense I measured quality of life and then well-being and I did a lot of work with the Blair and Cameron governments about how they measured well-being and how they could look at improving population well-being Mm -hmm. and then for the last six eight years I've been thinking about work and how could we take those skills of measuring people's experience of life into the workplace and that's what I do with Friday Pulse now Um, normally well, we had an office in London, but we've uh, abandoned it. And so we are scattered around the country uh, mm-hmm. as a team now. 
abandoned makes me imagine that it's just you know like the doors are open and but there's no one in <laughs> like the Marie Celeste <laughs> it's sort of it wasn't quite like that but I mean we, we literally had meetings I mean there was that week wasn't there something like beginning the 10th of March where it was sort of all going a bit pear-shaped and and we had a meeting of uh, you know my management meeting which is a monthly meeting and uh one of my team you know bless her she she uh has probably underlying anxiety anyway and and she just couldn't cope with it at all she wanted to spray every room before we went in it and things like that and mm-hmm. so I said to her look I think you just need to work at home from now Nicola and of course actually by the Thursday everybody was yeah and yeah. um and it was that quick and and I did go back a week later to empty some stuff and my colleague has as well but um you know we basically if people want a terminal we're 10 in my team if you want a terminal want to chair want to you know just go into the office and picked it up and people did that in the first week and we've just been meeting on zoom ever since yeah mm-hmm. yes so tell us a bit about where this all came from as you say you, you've got a, an interesting sort of mix of, of skills not not a usual mix i would suggest <laughs> um and and what you're doing is not it's you know you, you fall into the the massive category of uh, of my guests where I'm sure that's not what you planned to do when you were at school. <laughs> so talk us through how it, how it sort of came about and, and, uh, and why you do what you do. School, God, that seems a long time ago. Um, <laughs> I mean, I was, I was top of maths at my year at school all the way through, really, from about age eight right the way through. to. So I, I, the school just packed me off to Cambridge to do maths because that's what they wanted. I don't think anyone actually asked me if I wanted to do maths. <laughs> they just assumed I was going to. I mean, I, I can't remember exactly, but... You know, no one sat me down and explained to me that maths at university was exceptionally pure, which meant it's very abstract. And I got there and I hated it because it wasn't anything about the real world. And I discovered that I was really an applied statistician. I like numbers and I, I like logic and I like the way that um, empirical evidence bases uh, builds up. But I, I wasn't interested in doing obscure group theory or something like that. So um, so I sort of started changing courses, which Cambridge, you're very lucky to be able to do. And I switched into basically applied statistics and systems thinking and went and did a master's in that and then came out and, you know, worked in sort of consultancy and things like that in my early 20s. But my mother was a family therapist and I got interested in therapy. I mean, I still wear my hair quite long and I was a bit of a hippie. I mean, 20 years too late. But, but, you know, I enjoyed encounter groups, men's groups, uh, sort of personal development groups, and eventually trained as a therapist. And I didn't work very long as a therapist because I actually found it quite isolating working one-to-one and I was more interested in groups and systems. But that training has absolutely permeated everything I've ever done since, really. Uh, and, and, um, and really, and what I picked up from therapy was that really therapy is a learning process. And although people think of therapy as being about your emotions and it is, it's really about your, your cognition and how you, how you start to interpret your emotions, how you start to act on them better, how you start to see them better, have some distance from them. And in that sense, it's a learning sort of uh, learning experience. And my statistical work was similar in the sense that instead of, you know, I used to sometimes say that with a one-to-one, you listen to your client and you reflect back and that's part of the learning process. Well, Statistics is the same, really. You, you, you listen to a population by surveying them or doing some measurement program, and then you reflect back by writing reports, by making talks, by making papers or whatever it is. And, and in a sense, that they, they've got different uh, time frames in that 
therapy is very immediate and statistics tends to be much longer term but they're doing the same job of trying to improve people's lives one at a population one at individual level and I, I guess it's one of those things you stumble into I did lots of different things through my 20s and 30s and I just ended up in a think tank in London literally challenged to you know Nick there's some there's a word coming into politics that no one understands it's well-being what do you you know what do you think what would you do if you did a program here and i i said well look i'd like to create measures of it and like to think about how you could improve that and and i got a project and started off a day a week and became a decade and a bit of work <laughs> and 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 that that led me right up until about eight years ago i, I probably left i mean i sort of had a staggered leave from the think tank but i sort of left about 2012 i, I did a ted talk on my work in 2010 about measuring population well-being and, and particularly around sustainable development and happiness on something called the Happy Planet Index, which we created. And um, and I thought, oh, I'll do a change now. That gives me some status in the world, which is a funny thing to happen when you just accidentally wander through life doing stuff that you interest. And so and I decided I'd do stuff on work and, and that's what I've been doing ever since. And I, I think for me, it takes me a good five to sort of eight years to work out what I've got to say about something. And Friday Pulse is really what's come out of that. Mm. And so tell us a bit more about what Friday Pulse actually means and, and does. Yeah, so so hopefully the clues are in the world. It's on a Friday. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, I guess we, that bit. <laughs> we, we, we check in with people how they are. And, and the idea is that things like staff engagement surveys, which sort of happen annually or perhaps every six months, you know, um, are totally out of date. And in fact, you know, if anything the last, you know, four to six weeks has shown us, is that the world can move very fast. <laughs> yes, and yeah. um, so, you know, all of those staff engagement surveys, the data is completely out of date. In fact, it's normally out of date by the time it's published, you know, teams have changed challenges. And so instead of going for like in-depth, occasionally we do exactly the opposite, which is very light every week. And just ask people, you know, how they felt at work this week. Um, has it been a good week or a bad week is what we're effectively trying to tap into. But very much people's experience. So, um, I mean, you're a coach, so, you understand this realm but you know that that when that really you, people can be doing a good job but not enjoying it and conversely they can be enjoying it and not doing such a good job that's rarer actually but you know burnout really happens when people do uh, they're very good at their work but they 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 lose track of their balance and, uh, and they probably over dedicate themselves and, and and everything spills over into their private lives and eventually it all comes back and bites them on the derriere shall we say but mm -hmm. um but when you're balanced at work, when you feel good about your work, when you're in balance and, and, and everything's going well. So we're really trying to tap into the idea that how you feel at work is very, very important to team morale, to yourself, to the whole organization. So there's, there's, there's an alignment around that. And, and in statistics, for statistics, to you know, you can, you can create statistics about anything. And obviously some people are suspicious of statistics, you know, lies, damn lies and statistics and all of that. Mm -hmm. But if you get them right you get a good you know whether you call it a key performance indicator or whatever you get a good indicator everyone agrees is is a good then then actually you can create a lot of alignment in a business and so we really try to do that by saying that actually team happiness team morale is a good indicator for the individual it's a good indicator for the team and the team linda it's a mm -hmm. good indicator for the organization mm -hmm. and so that should be your people metric and, and that's what we do we build a system that does that so what i find interesting particularly with your statistical background um is that you're using a word like happiness in the corporate world because we know that that's 
seen still in lots of circles as being a bit maybe woo woo. <laughs> um, you know, the, the sort of average hard nosed business person perhaps doesn't think about happiness as such, um, or they don't think they do. How do you describe happiness and happiness at work? Yeah, so it's 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 both a word that attracts and and starts sort <laughs> yeah. of people and and they worry about it and i think there's a reasonable reason why they worry about it by the way so uh, and i think it's because we use the word happiness as a well we use it firstly in two distinct ways we use it as um a felt experience right now i feel happy and another one is a cognitive reflection i i am happy with so that's a judgment a cognitive reflection mm-hmm. um so um so when we look back on an event we'll often say oh you know i'm very happy with that or you know so so there, there's that and then there's i feel it right now but in the emotion side we use the word happiness as a catch-all word for an array of positive emotions so and, and there are a lot of different ones and they've actually got quite different feels to them and it actually from a strictly biological perspective they have different functions um, in that all emotions are functional they help us act in the word in fact even the word emotion and move is move out uh, and one of the difference between emotion and cognition is that emotion is bodily felt it's not just a thought and and that's because it's readying us to act so the the only two cells in the in the body that that sort of change shape uh, are neurons and uh, muscle cells and the, the the emotions are what connect them so if we're feeling very tense stressed and we're not moving we, we tend to hold up pressure in our shoulders or wherever it is because we're not actually acting out on the feelings we're having and so that's why it's really good to get up and stretch or or if you're in a bad mood you know something's gone wrong you're angry go for a run walk whatever it is dance uh, you know to, to to shift the energy and uh, and to release it and and so um so in that sense happiness is this catch-all word for a array of positive emotions and and that they differ in their functionality from quiet positive emotions like contentment satisfaction if you want to get a bit spiritual serenity uh, peacefulness and these are all reflective emotions they're, they're quiet they're low energy whereas you you know you can talk about happiness as being joy enthusiasm which are very high energy where you're mobilizing a lot of energy so enthusiasm you know you've perhaps seen an opportunity and you're wanting to move forward to it and you're wanting to gather all of your energy and perhaps even other people with you enthusiasm is very contagious so you bring other people with you so that's a very different energy than contentment mm-hmm. but we, we use the word happiness for both of them and and, and there are ones in between so you, you know enjoyment or um amusement or laughter Uh, all words that we use in the context of happiness, but they're really about us connecting with other people, creating bonds. And when you're creating bonds with other people, you don't want to be your full-on intellectual opinionated self. So you actually switch off cognitive functioning when you're laughing and amused. And, And so that means people aren't using their full intelligence. And so some leaders will think, oh, if they're happy, they're not going to be really focusing and doing their work. And in, if they're in that, pure amusement part they're correct but they're bonding so they're creating resilience for the future with the relationships because in a sense what resilience is is the is the store the stock of relationships you have that you can draw on and you know and give to uh, in in times of trouble so you need that but you don't need it all the time at work so maybe it's a five ten percent issue to be having a laugh with your team amusing um, you know um just sharing chit chat is important because it creates relationships 
but you want people to be focused and, and, and a positive emotion that's more about focusing is interest or curiosity is about exploring you know and so there are these other emotions which have got different energies and and i think that's where we get caught up in the word happiness we think of it as one thing and actually it's hiding a whole rainbow of different positive emotions mm-hmm. and there's certainly a, a much more of a move towards improving well-being and um, even organizations who don't talk about happiness as as a as a word they're doing things around as you say those emotions that 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 connect in with that even if they don't they they don't call it that um, I, I suppose I, I can't go past what we've said in terms of the current situation without seeing how what you're seeing from your clients and the the sort of friday pulses currently given things have changed so much for many organizations is that something that that you'd be able to just reflect on yeah i mean we 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 have a variety of of clients and we've had one that is probably going into administration so i mean they've shut down using us so that's the most extreme where Mm. effectively we were you know in contact with a thousand people you know every week and 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 we're not anymore um but that's only one of our clients so um all of the others have have stayed with it and they're tracking the resilience in 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 a sense resilience is measured by looking at people's weekly experience and seeing where where it dips and how long it takes to bounce back and so in my own team which are the schools i know best but i have have, i had had a look across the client base and it's similar you know is we had a huge dip three weeks ago you know um we 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 were all anxious you know um, in in in, you know various forms but you know it was a frightening thing in london five six weeks ago Mm. you know feeling everything was dirty you know and I, i i live in dorset at the weekends and and i come back on the weekend you know i'd sort of virtually get undressed at the door five weeks ago and just get straight in the shower i don't think i was carrying a virus it just felt dirty from being in london on the train and it and that's pervasive isn't it and that's very anxiety making and and you know fear in that in a sense fear is very is a very functional emotion like the others it, it helps us avoid threats and so um it's it's just not comfortable to feel and so you know a, a rational response to fear is to run away is to freeze in the sense that a predator doesn't notice you um, and the other one is to gather together with other people when we're frightened uh, for group, group safety, which is kind of what we want to do now. But of course, with the social distancing, that's quite difficult. So, you know, we're missing some of those social ways that we respond to fear. But so what we saw was a dip, um, a severe dip in our scores. We we present our scores back on a 0 to 100 scale because it's just easy to understand. And our score, typically my team is 75, 80. Uh, very rare that you get to 100 as a team because there's always something going on. And in fact, you'd even probably think you wouldn't want to be at 100 because that's just everyone telling you they're fantastic and they're probably mm-hmm. hiding something. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we normally we normally go along about 70 to 80, which is in the green and positive, And we dip right down to sort of 40 that first week. I did have to, unfortunately, make one person furlong because her job was about booking me events. And of course, that's gone. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, the rest of the team we've kept together. and. Um, so, you know, that first week's a shock and we've, we're coming back. We're not back to our schools as before. And that's because we've got a variety of experiences. You know, we, you know, I, I'm actually quite cozy. But, you know, some of my team have got young children uh, homeschooling suddenly and they're sort of age three, four, five, six. You know, that's quite difficult. And you know, both parents working at home suddenly. Um, I've got ones who are on their own, not, you know, not not 
by choice necessarily find themselves at li- in this life at the moment, not with a partner. And they're sort of stuck in their flats pretty much on their own. And so, mm-hmm. you know, there's a variety of experiences. And of course, we, we, we you lose the sort of bonhomie, the camaraderie of being in an office together. Yes. Uh, we try and repeat that. We have a Zoom every morning at nine where, with, with no agenda, just, hi, how are we? Uh, I, we're 10, 11 on that call. And I, I have found myself facilitating it more when we started off because what you find is the quieter ones wouldn't say anything yeah and so now i definitely make sure i'm really noticing who's speaking i will draw them into the conversation uh and i'll i'll just use those sort of normal facilitation skills of making sure the quiet ones are heard making sure the noisy ones which includes me <laughs> don't talk so much i mean i can just talk you know but you know so it's and it's making sure people are sharing what they're doing yeah. in their challenges but but personally as well people talk about what they're watching or what they mm. cooked or what the kids have done that's crazy you know it's interesting i i don't know if you've noticed the same but i've noticed that uh any calls and meetings has they have a, a much bigger chunk of how are you and how are you coping and what's it like you know in your experience wherever that be i've been working with a lot, lot of people in australia so you know we we spend the, the first sort of 10 minutes swapping notes on on our relative sort of lockdown and rules and regulations and so on but also in emails you know in the past you sort of hope you're well and you know off you go now you you know you're saying hope you're well in the current situation blah 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 and then more often than not I'm getting a reply telling me how they're doing in the current situation and then I'm replying you know sort of contributing and, and joining on with an ongoing conversation about it I don't think that certainly in my experience it doesn't normally happen we're normally much more sort of you know it's just a throwaway comment but people are actually seemingly even on email engaging a lot more in having a conversation before we get down to business have you seen something similar oh absolutely and i and i i think that we're all i mean this is so abnormal what's going on isn't it i mean we start i mean i'm starting to settle into it now but um you know, you watch you watch the TV and there's there's you know two people getting in a car and you think oh I used to do that yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's only five weeks you know we're only five weeks into it I mean how long have we got this for yeah. I mean you know it's it's an interesting yeah. question but yeah. um but yes and I think what's going on psychologically for people is that of course we're we're feeling we're feeling unsettled and we're looking to check out that that's a normal experience because if it's normalized that feels easier so in in some senses although it's really difficult that a lot of people are losing their jobs and, and it is certainly it's a difficult time to lose a job it's whatever no one can really blame themselves for losing a job at the moment it's mm. it's a it's something that's going on in and in the sense that if it doesn't knock your confidence as much we find that in area i mean i've seen this in data well-being data before which is in areas with a lot of long-term unemployment actually this being made unemployed is less bad than being in a place of high employment that might sound really weird but it's it's because it's a more normal experience we actually yeah. find it in the same way some people always say oh god you know happiness you know scandinavia comes up top don't they have a high suicide rate and and in some extent they do have a high suicide rate though it's they've actually tackled it down but one of the reasons that they had a higher suicide rate was because if you're unhappy in a happy country it feels your personal fault yeah. If you're unhappy in an unhappy country, you just think it's the system. Yeah. So yeah. there's less yeah. self sort of um, 
hatred or, or less yeah. you know feeling that it's that it's your responsibility and so i think we've, we've we've got some of that going on so people are checking out but then i think there's this thing going on which is uh, i call pseudo satisfaction which is that we're wanting to connect with people and we're seeing them on a screen or we're still talking about email but we don't quite get the whole flavor of connecting with somebody because we're missing out on all of that other richness of you know just being in the same room and the the, the, the body language there's just the sense of someone's presence which you don't get through a video as much you get it more than i don't know you, you know, actually we, we've got video switched off and because we're just listening probably more to the tones of our voices it's quite it's quite nice you know it's, mm -hmm. it, it you, you feel the richness of it but it but i think we're slightly missing out on that richness so we're looking for it more because we're not quite getting satisfied, if you get what I mean. And yeah. uh, so, I, I, and, I, and I think this is also why people are reporting being very tired. I don't know if you're finding that, that people are reporting being very tired, even though they're sleeping. And yes. I, I think this, yeah. just, I think we're just a bit discombobulated, if yes. that's the right word. Yeah, you know? that's a definitely a good word for it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We're a little, I, yeah. I do wonder if, from a, a sort of um, a business point of view, particularly, the sort of smaller businesses and the and the sort of entrepreneurs one one man band type businesses whether it's actually driving some honesty and and ability to be better supported a bit like you've just said about the the Scandinavian countries and all being in it together or the you know at the unemployment scenario or whatever um, that quite often in in the small business world there's a there's a whole sort of facade about everyone being successful and it's not difficult. Um, because you see all this success and a lot of the success is just veneer, you know, it's social media stories to sell your business or whatever. Um, and I wonder, you know, there's a lot of people who have been obviously badly affected or, or certainly in extra challenging times, but also are being more honest about that. And everyone accepts that because as you say, everyone's in the same boat and, and it's not seen as a failure for that business or that individual. It's just the way it is in the current times. And I do wonder if actually, the positive on that will be that with people being sort of more honest and open to sharing their challenges, there'll be, you know, some support and, and, and they'll actually come out of it better because, because of that honesty that perhaps wouldn't have existed before. I think, I think that is true. I mean, in all of the research on sort of post-traumatic stress, there is also groups of people that have post-traumatic growth mm. and will even look back on their trauma and say i'm glad it happened it's the best thing that happened to me and that's because they have a learning mindset and a sense of agency in the world and a, and a set of tools that effectively they can learn the lessons from their trauma and it, in a sense that we're all going through a sort of collective trauma i mean it is in a sense it's you know it's 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 everyone has changed everyone's life on this planet has changed in the last five six weeks all because of the same thing i mean i can't believe there's be hardly anyone that doesn't know this is going on. I mean, hopefully there's some crofter up on some Scottish island who just hasn't heard anything. I just love that as a <laughs> romantic story, story that yes. they just hasn't noticed yes. anything <laughs> apart from there's a little bit less pollution or something. Yes. <laughs> Someone's going to make a Netflix out of this anyway. But yeah. but um, uh, and 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 one of the problems we have with a with an event like this is is that it's likely to increase inequalities in the sense that there are people who there'd be people that struggle more from it and there'd be people that sort of take it as an opportunity and and that tends to broaden inequalities when you have that sort of dynamic going on and mm. the people's sense of agency is what drives it so anyone that is self-employed 
must have a sense of agency mm. I mean, just mm. to do that because you you know if you haven't you, you just turn up at work I mean you know and, and 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 lots of people will say to me my friends who are sort of corporate guys and girls will will go God, how can you set up your own business isn't it risky and I think how can you go into a corporate world and work there all day I don't quite think that but because I a lot of them have very exciting jobs but you know I, I'm not very good at playing by the rules so I yeah. prefer writing my own yeah um and yeah. that is, I have a great sense of agency I, I have a great confidence overconfidence that I can deal with anything mm. clearly I'll I'll get my come up I have had my come up and sometimes in life but you know but I go into something thinking I will cope yeah yes. now yeah. there's all sorts of people that just don't have that don't have that capacity and so they you know they're you know they're going to come out of this really quite scarred mm-hmm. uh, and, and how we've covered so, so I think there'll be a big variety of yeah. um, experiences out of it but yes absolutely there's an optimistic uh, pathway out of it if you've got if, if you're if you're not exceptionally exposed financially mm. and if you've got good relationships and you've got um, a learning mindset you know the ability to to think that I, I think you can come out of this quite positively. Mm-hmm. So I usually ask my uh, guests on the podcast about how they prioritise what they do and how they sort of get that difference between their their work and their life. Because quite often people who work from home, who are a lot of the people I interview, uh, you know, it, it could be muddled. And you know, we talk about shutting the office door and you finish at a certain time of day and all that sort of stuff. Clearly, it's even more a pertinent question now because you're now working. <laughs> from home um and usually you work in your office so uh how do you prioritize what you do and 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 at the you know current time how are you keeping those two things integrated separated i don't know whichever you're choosing to do with them <laughs> well okay so i i'm not sure that i'm the best person to answer because i'm a very messy thinker i'm a messy human being uh i'm a creative uh and in fact i remember once reading a book i can't remember quite what it was but basically linking creativity to messiness and showing it to my my then <laughs> business partner Nicola and her just being horrified because she just thought I was going to use it as more of an excuse to be more untidy um, <laughs> and and so I I know that I have to be a team player because I I'm not the person who is the best at prioritizing my own work so I I always rely on other people to tell me I need this by the end of the day and then they do it I'll do it you know mm. but it's <laughs> So I'm 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 a I'm a sort of free rider sometimes on on discipline, but actually I am I'm not a lazy person and I am very disciplined in the sense that you know I I, I don't find it difficult to work. Yeah, it's a more about how do I prioritize different bits of work. I really struggle because I'm very much someone that uh, I'm quite hedonic in the sense that I want to do what I enjoy doing, mm. and um, so if there's a bit of work that I'm enjoying doing, I'll turn to do that much more quickly um mm-hmm. and i have to force so but i mean things that we we do as a team is we have a 9 a.m um start and we we've actually moved that earlier we used to do it at 10 a.m because people wanted to avoid the commute and do things differently and and we've actually all decided we're doing it at nine because we all want to start the day together uh and we and we have that that zoom call at nine i actually tend to start work before then i just sort of get up and have coffee and start working really um uh the end of the day i i find it quite easy to to switch off i tend to go for a walk at the end of the day so i, I live here and I, that's when i go and take my boris johnson one hour of exercise and yeah, yeah. so about five or six p.m i go out for a walk and then then i feel my day's done mm. yeah so mm. so those big boundaries i do quite well in between i'm but, but part of my job is doing sort of 
what we're doing now is that you know, part of my job is, is reaching out and letting people know about this agenda. And um, so I, I, I tend to prioritize those bits, but of course sometimes I have to do the big statistical work, which I do like, but I have to get my head into. Mm. And so if I'm doing stats, I really have to have three hours where I can just clear and do nothing else. Mm. So, you know, so I'm, I'm, I, but I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I, if I have a, I have lots of weaknesses, but one of them is definitely order, order, orderliness. <laughs> so when I was telling you at the beginning that I've banished my husband to his study, never to come out with any work stuff anywhere else in the house, <laughs> you'll, you'll understand that. I'd be doing the same to you, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to claim that my wife is any better, by the way. She takes over the kitchen table and it's just spread with stuff. And she's, she's partly a sort of creative and so there's projects in various places you know so i'm actually quite small i'm just a little corner of the bedroom <laughs> she is like everywhere but you know that's her delight <laughs> i came across a, a new tool actually this week um they approached me and i and i've set up an account i had a play and i'm going to put something on my website and haven't got that far to the point where i'm just desperately now trying to remember what it's called but it's it's they sort of badged it as evernote for creatives and it's because you can literally drag and drop stuff whether that be like to-do lists pictures tasks um for people comments for people you're sharing the project with or whatever and i had a bit of a play on it yesterday and i thought it was it was really good particularly if you're a, you know a creative and and you've got all sorts of stuff flying into this project and you, you've not yet got it into some sort of order i'm, I, I'm much more a sort of a sana list maker <laughs> yeah um so it's probably not something that i would use but um it, it was really good and I'm going to now frantically have to try and find out what it is to tell you um otherwise I'll have left you hanging <laughs> well you, I think it's more your left your listeners hanging because yes. I kind of I kind of know I'm used to using any tool I mean I do use tools in the sense that you know we use slack in in my business with 10 mm -hmm. and I love slack because it's instant messaging and you can really use it and um and it's a tool, tool I really like but um but when we get into sort of things like crms and things like that i'd much rather other people did it <laughs> yes yeah, yeah, yeah. but i mean i i mean i i guess that's the prerogative of being the sort of the ceo and the whatever but i do sometimes feel embarrassed at my own um, my own lack of that but i they 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 tell me it's okay that, yeah that, that they wouldn't I, want you I interfering with the system <laughs> I, I do enough positive to outweigh it but is that sort of like that sort of childhood guilt of like you're not you're not i'm being i'm being sort of immature and pathetic by not being more disciplined but <laughs> i have learned to drop that because you know i, I clearly add I, I do have to accept i add value in different ways but it's, it's really hard that isn't it accepting where you add value even when there's lots of evidence that you've done things which are, people like or you've made money or whatever yeah you know, i think we all still have that crippling self-doubt that you know am i going to get found out Yes, absolutely. I was having just that discussion with a, a student on, on my call before you, actually, where he spent all this time telling me he was rubbish at everything. And then I said something and it went, he went off on a complete thing telling me why that shouldn't happen. And this is how you should do it. And these are the and everything else to the point where I then finished by saying, so all that stuff about not being any good at anything is a load of rubbish because you've just taught me <laughs> a load yeah. of stuff, <laughs> you know, off the cuff from yeah. your knowledge and he was like oh yeah i hadn't thought about that and uh, so we had that exactly that discussion which is that we we sort of um things come easy to us we just think they're not valuable 
Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, it, there's something very deeply evolutionary about this and psychological about this, which is that threats are so um, imminent to us, you know, that, that, you know, in our Savannah past or whatever, you know, if there was a saber-toothed tiger, it could kill us right now. So it was much better to mistake a rustle in the grass for, for a tiger 99 times out of 100 and take evasive action because the one time it would be. Mm-hmm. Whereas the positives, you know, if we don't notice that bush of berries, well, we'll eat tomorrow. It's sort of not as urgent. And and so, I mean, you know, it, there's all sorts of things which are about resilience, about confidence, which are not urgent, but they're really important for the long term. And now that we live so much longer and that we have so much, we're so much more invested in the future than we were, I think we're sometimes ill-equipped towards that and we still have this bias towards, oh, someone's criticizing me. That might be useful. I might need that. Da, 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 that must go in. Whereas someone compliments me, it's uh, you know, and, and, and that's actually why there's this very famous psychologist called Barbara Fredrickson. And she talks about the idea that we should, that we need to hear three or four positives to every negative. And, and that's for raising a child. That's for raising a team. It's for whatever, which is mm-hmm. that, criticism is okay and it, and 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 you know of course you must be honest in, in in that but you need to be much more appreciating recognizing compliment people by a factor of three maybe even eight yeah. you know times and then and then people one can 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 talk can contextualize the negative uh, or the challenge the, let's call it challenge um and and secondly they have the resilience because they have the confidence to do it and and, and we feel that almost in the micro moment if you know, someone compliments us and and it does go in you know our shoulders go back our head goes up and we feel sort of kind of good whereas someone criticizes us we start hunching and we start protecting ourselves as if we're almost going to be hit yeah and, and that's all going on for us and and so it's a kind of interesting thing that goes on mm. so you are good at lots of things. You just may not want to use tools and apps very often, which is fine. <laughs> I do use tools and apps all the time, but I, I, I'm not very good at that whole sort of, you know, uh, Gantt charty sort of spreadsheety no. stuff. Which is hilarious given your statistical abilities. <laughs> <laughs> I can do it. Yeah, honestly, I can lay it out. And if I get my, you know, clearly we have strategies to implement as a company and, and, uh, and, and I can do all that stuff. I just yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. How funny. <laughs> so um, I found, uh, I found that um, uh, tool. It's called, uh, I don't know how you pronounce it. Millanote. M-I-L-A-N-O-T-E. A miler note, miller note. Um, and yeah, you can just like chuck a load of stuff onto the screen and then sort of organize it as you plan a project. So I thought it was quite good, but not for me clearly as I like my linear <laughs> list sort of uh, way of doing things. I can't even use, what's the uh, Trello because it's like pictures and boards and things. Can't do that. Can't be doing that with that. I've got to have lists. <laughs> so um, while we're on the subject of tools and apps, anything you'd like to recommend before we move on? <laughs> Oh, um, uh, Spotify, <laughs> it's just music though, isn't it? I do love Spotify. God, that's changed how I listen to music. Yes. Uh, I, I, I used to commute to London, obviously, and I, I, had a, I had a weekly commute. So I'd go up on a Monday, Tuesday, and back on a Thursday, and I'd always listen to two hours of music. And mm. I love the way they send you, you know, your sort of discovery of your week, because you'd, I just discovered so much new music in the sort of kind of genres that I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as in personally, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not so. Oh, I do know one really, really good uh, app. It's called Friday Pulse. 
<laughs> it's for measuring and improving team experience yeah but apart from that then <laughs> just secured your spot under recommended tools brilliant <laughs> oh, lovely so um what are, you've talked about um coming out of this um in a a positive way f- and the criteria for that and one of the things you talked about was having a a learning mindset what, what do you do to keep moving and learning uh, and improving well um I'll tell you what, if I, if I get to my stage in my life where I feel I'm not learning, that is sort of the closest I come to sort of that sort of, you know, sort of slightly static, depressive state, you know. So mm-hmm. moving jobs for me, which I've sort of done every 10, 12 years, has normally been driven by not feeling I'm learning and I'm feeling a bit stale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think I have a naturally, I'm very naturally curious and so, um, you know, I, I, that, that becomes sort of my way of being. Um, but how do I learn? I mean, I think that I learn a lot by, um, I would say, my walking is an important part of my learning process, mm-hmm. which might sound a bit obtuse, but I walk every day for at least an hour. And it's sort of where I reflect on things. I, I don't meditate. I walk. and that is my meditation in lots of ways. Yeah. Um, and I'm quite, I'm a reflective person. I, I do ponder and think, I mean, I, I'm the sort of, there are some people I think are very quick thinkers and they, and a sort of, and they they can be great and uh, have, they have so many ideas. Um, I tend to, I've, I've tended to focus on one thing, which is I mean, actually, I, I, I sometimes say, I don't think I have an idea. I think an idea has me. And and the idea of how do you improve people's lives has gripped me for 25, 30 years, really. I found different forms of that question, whether that be individually with therapy, whether it be population with my big sort of national statistics work or now organisations and work. But that idea that one is, can we improve our lives? And the answer is, yes, we can, uh, though we're more influenced by circumstances than we think we are. Uh, by our environments and our context um but we can we can change context is one of the things we can do mm-hmm. um but um but um how do we improve that and so and 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 that's a i feel very blessed that i've that an idea has gripped me in life that i've been able to sort of want to get really pontificate that i can serve the idea you know isn't basically you know i want it i want it to come into the world this idea that work shouldn't be a miserable experience and mm. that actually it's in everyone's interest if everyone enjoys work more. Um, and of course there are contexts to work, you know, there's, there's work to be done and, uh, and some work isn't great, but, um, but actually if, if we think our work is purposeful, is helpful in the world, that can help us. If we like the people that we work with, that can help us. Mm. If we feel a appreciated and respected you know because we all want those positive strokes and if we feel sort of empowered and autonomous that we can do stuff i mean we like to do stuff human beings sort of are active creatures we're not very good at doing nothing and so you know feeling that you can you know work is a great context for us to actually achieve stuff in fact it's probably the main adult context we have for getting stuff done and we like getting stuff done <laughs> yeah yes. so yeah yeah so 
just the last couple of questions then. Firstly, what about those days where it all goes horribly wrong? How do you deal with that? Well, I, I think you should give up on those days sometimes. I remember once <laughs> listening to a poet once and he said, um, I write a poem every day. And someone said, well, that you sometimes, you know, really struggle. I said, yeah, 5 p.m. I drop my standards. <laughs> 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 and, and and i think you know if you're having i mean yeah and we all have bad days and if you're having a bad day then i don't know choose a different task than you would do do something mindless that you know you needed to do tidying up or something so that at mm. least you feel you've achieved something in the day mm. um and of course you can have days which get very frustrating for external reasons those are often harder aren't they in the sense that things are kicking off around you and you're fighting fires and you know, that can be exhilarating sometimes if you, but often it's the right pain. And, and, and then I think you, you need to get out and, and do something different. I mean, mm. I, I'm, a, I'm an advocate of standing up every hour, stretching uh, um, and going and chatting to people. You know, I used to say sometimes that, that smokers are a very interesting group of people because they're doing three healthy things in an unhealthy way, which is that they get up from their desks every hour and they go outside healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, so far, they, so good. <laughs> they chat to other people healthy. Yeah. yeah. They concentrate on the in-breath and the out-breath healthy. Mm. <laughs> the smoke, less so. Um, and and I, I, but actually, we, and it, we can learn from smokers in that, I think, is, is take a break every hour, chat to people have a little mindful breath or whatever it is or some fresh air um i think those sort of things breaking things up when you're when mm. you're having a bad time break things up mm. uh, and uh try and do something different um yeah yeah music on or something i don't know i don't normally work to music but i know that music's a good mood shifter you know if i'm in a bad mood uh sometimes you want to play music takes you even further into it because you want to get melancholic but sometimes you want to take music pushes against it yes and yeah. and, and and, and finds you a different way so i'll do that sometimes yeah i don't often yeah. have bad days i'm i'm very i'm i'm a, i'm i'm an over i'm too positive if i get myself in problems in life it's i've been too optimistic i've been too positive you know I, <laughs> and i know lots of other people exactly the opposite they they miss out on opportunities because they're too negative too pessimistic or whatever but i'm exactly mm. the opposite and so um so actually sometimes i need a bit of grounding um, and, and not so I, but I'm very intolerant of bad moods. Uh, mm. I, I, I basically just can't do them for very long. I mean, even, I mean, I, I, I did have a particular phase of life where I, I crashed out of a relationship quite difficult about eight years ago and, and it did take me a winter to recover, but I, I couldn't do the whole three years of being depressed. <laughs> only managed six months <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're never going to be a poet then <laughs> no <laughs> or uh or uh i don't know i can't think what, what other other um but poetry scenarios. is a lovely way to, to move moods i mean if you've got i mean i i do like poetry and particularly when it's read out loud and if you get someone with a great voice reading poetry mm -hmm. uh, it's great i'm trying to think what that young woman is who's so good at the moment um he does a sort of slam poetry anyway um it, it, poetry is very interesting because it's sort of condensed meaning and yes and and it's do you write poetry um i don't i really like it i i've read a lot over the years and i have a friend who's very into it so i i sort of 
I'm on the periphery of it when she's posting things and, and talking about yeah. it and stuff. But yeah, very, no. very, very clever. Interestingly, poetry reading's really going up. Yes. Yeah. Well, as I say, my friend, um, in fact, Kathy, who um, who was on show number one and show number one hundred and fifty, um, she uh, goes to live poetry readings and has done some uh, writing and, and reading herself. And yeah, so because of that, I knew that it, it is more popular. Yeah. We went to see um, an, an NT live uh, performance a little while ago. It was the um, Cyrano de Bergerac, and I didn't actually know anything about it before we got there. It was it was um, John. Is it John McAvoy? James McAvoy. John McAvoy, somebody entirely different. Um, and it was like a poetry slam pretty much the whole way through. It's very modern and sort of rappy. And and it was, we took our, our, our daughter, um, 13-year-old daughter, and she loved it. And she was, you know, a bit sort of not expecting it to be any good at all sort of thing, thinking it would be boring, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was. Um, what you're taking me to. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, the fact that it was, um, it was poetry, but it was you know modern, so it was like a poetry slam or or a, a rapping scenario for some of it. It was just brilliant. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, you say about do I write poetry? When I was at school, I was about ten, and I got told off for a very bad poem that I wrote, and um, I was really annoyed with the teacher, and so I decided to write this really ridiculous poem. Um, because I had to do it as a sort of punishment. Um, so I made it like as flowery and as ridiculous, or so I thought, as I could. And um, and she thought it was brilliant and got me to read it out to the whole class. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I still now look back and think, I wonder if I made it good because I, you know, followed all the sort of um, stereotypical things about poetry or whether she was just bluffing and double bluffing and actually it was was rubbish but she, <laughs> but she made me read it out as if you know I'd, I'd done a good job just to get me back from not wanting to do a good job <laughs> we shall never know <laughs> I just remembered the name of the, the poet I like she's called yes. Te- Kate Tempest oh okay well, I'll look her up Lovely. she's she's very energetic and yeah young Lovely. probably Lovely. gay I don't know but re- re- really really good angry and passionate and yeah very good lovely i will definitely check her out thank you and then the last question then what about those days where you get to live more and that's where i say you get to do more of the things you want to do and less of the stuff that you don't want to do what do those days look like for you uh that looks like every day to me um i i I mean i i do feel very blessed you know i'm in my 50s i'm in a great relationship i love my work i have absolutely enough money to live a life i like um i mean you know clearly one can mess up still but um so um and i think i think in the end the way i think about it is i think that a good life is a life that is meaningful and full of pleasures Mm. people often see it as a trade-off between pleasure and meaning and i think that people who just go for meaning but not much pleasure become quite dry and people that just go for pleasure and not much meaning become a bit wet if you want but but, you know Mm -hmm. hedonic and so I think in every day trying to find something that is building towards something I mean I get up every day and I'm building something still and uh, quite a lot of my friends in the mid-50s are sort of nearing retirement and not quite sure what they want to do and you know some of my school friends who are not so like me now but you've just got these long friendships you know they play golf and things I just think Mm. you know whereas I'm still building businesses I'm still passionate about social change and Mm. Uh, sustainability and stuff you know so I wake up every day with feeling I've got something to do but then I I also enjoy life I am a little 
little hedonic too and um and i quite like that so mm -hmm. i think it's a, that that blend of pleasure and meaning in a day is what makes for a good day absolutely and i think that bit about actually understanding that i think some people who want to sort of live more they want to find time to do stuff when you actually find out what that stuff is they don't actually know because they haven't sort of worked that bit out so i think yeah. having you know understanding that is is a big part of it for sure yeah it's that reflective and sense of agency when people say to me i haven't got time i say well stop watching tv mm. i get you a lot of time mm, yeah. <laughs> you know most most people that's a big, big thing so you know we do have choices to make and and i i i choose quite deliberately what i get engaged in I, i'm protective of my time i leave a lot of time to do nothing mm. uh a lot of time to hang out with zoe my wife you know as in um so i'm you know i, I like socializing but i i pretty much insist every third weekend we do nothing i mean now we do nothing every weekend but but, <laughs> yeah. but you know that we make sure we do absolutely nothing from friday to monday apart from just hang out us yeah. and yeah. um because things emerge in that you know you, you suddenly do something else you drive to the beach or you do this god doesn't it wouldn't it be nice to drive to the beach i know it's quite hard this lockdown i wonder how long we we'll keep it going yeah yeah you see I, I live 20 minutes from the beach so i could actually get to it if i was going out walking but uh we, we're in isolation so uh, yeah. we're using our treadmill and our garden and our three um three staircases and, and the like to keep our exercising going but i can see the sea so that's a start isn't it oh wow god yeah i can see the sky that's quite good <laughs> yeah well you know squint a little bit you can pretend it was the sea yeah. um so yeah I, it's interesting as you say that bit about keeping weekends free i've been reflecting on the current situation and wondering and hoping that uh, whether um those two verbs don't go together um whether we'll be able to keep that sense of uh sort of nothingness and freedom and time to do things because we won't suddenly just fill it with a load of stuff again because we've not been able to do it up to now sort of thing you know what i mean it'd be interesting to see whether the need to do it becomes so strong and so felt that we do it more i mean or will people go oh it was okay when i was doing nothing i i, I guess it would be a mixture but you know I mean, I, I've, yeah, I used to eat out a lot in London. I don't do that anymore. I can't say I miss it. No. You know, uh, and I'm a bit lighter for that actually, mm. not much. Mm. But I've got quite a lot to lose. But, but, um, <laughs> but, but. So I think there will be things. But I, I miss just going and hanging out with friends. We've got two friends that have had it as a couple, and we're thinking, well, couldn't we meet them? I don't know. I mean, probably we could. You yeah, know, because yeah, they, yeah. you know, they, they definitely, I mean, they're cool, quite wiped out for two weeks, Kate was. But, um, you know, so they're not going to, I don't know. I missed that yeah. sitting down with friends and having a meal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, my One of my best friends lives opposite and it's so difficult because we, we're not seeing them other than through Zoom or across the road, the odd wave. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, you know, usually there's lots of ad hoc get togethers and, and her daughter and my daughter are best friends as well. So they, they're not seeing each other either. It's just really even harder because they're so near and yet so far <laughs> so there we yeah. go lovely well it's been it's been so lovely talking to you nick I, I just think we've sort of gone you know all around the houses in this conversation <laughs> from yeah. uh, corporate to happiness to poetry to to whatever so, so could really i just say yes. one little plug which is that uh we're offering friday pulse free to any uh, medium-sized organization 50 to a thousand people at the moment 
through the oh, crisis. Yeah. So if yeah. any of your listeners are in an organization that size or know their friends that are, then mm-hmm. I appreciate them saying, because in a sense of the small business, actually, we, we can't just sort of sit this crisis out. We've no. actually got to have a good crisis, which sounds terrible, but, mm-hmm. and, uh, and we made a product which is, you know, suitable for actually keeping in touch with how your teams are feeling. So it is part yeah. of the solution to all of this. So yeah, can... absolutely. We were having, I was having a discussion with a colleague today about exactly that, what, you know, where, how you sort of get that fine line between not looking like you're taking advantage of the situation, but also, you know, being helpful during the situation because that's needed too. And as you say, that the bigger picture is, um, you know, we want businesses to, to sustain throughout and, and still be here yeah. afterwards sort of thing. So I completely, completely get Well, that. our idea is that no one's buying anything anyway now. So if we let people use it for free, then we've got a possibility of converting them at the end. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a business model behind it, but it's also genuinely free offer. Yes. Yeah. Lovely. So that leads me into um, tell people how they can find out more and connect with you. Ah, oh, great. I was just worried you might not ask that question to say goodbye. <laughs> of course I um, That's why I just chipped in there. Um, no, I'm Nick Marks. Uh, I have my own personal website, which is nickmarks.org. There's no K in Nick, it's N-I-C. Uh, and I do write an article pretty much every week, put it up there. Uh, and uh, fridaypulse.com is our website where you can find out about what we do and, and that free offer. And, and actually, by the time this is out, we're also launching a calculator which can estimate the cost of you not looking after your team around during the next year uh and yeah. uh and what happens so we're, we're doing lots of things which are sort of fun and interactive to use and, and informative um Brilliant. and that's that's really where you, I'm, i am on twitter but i'm really bad but my twitter <laughs> handle is i am nick marks uh and i'm linkedin i'm much more proactive on you'll find me very easily do just send me send me a LinkedIn in, in connection. I'm always delighted to connect with people on there. Brilliant. Lovely. Thanks, Nick. Great to have you on Thanks the show. Thanks so much, Jay. Yeah, cheers. All this information is available in the show notes. If you go to powertolivemore.com forward slash, in this case, 157, then you'll find them there. This week, I want to uh, remind you that I started a new networking group this week, which will be running every week, every Monday, And it's aimed at coaches and consultants, but it's really for anyone. And there's no sort of criteria really about joining. So all you have to do is register and come along. I've been struggling with my new website this week, trying to get it to work and email people and do all the things I need it to do in order to administer it. So it's counterpointnetworking.co.uk. If for some reason that isn't working, then just drop me an email at joe at joedodds.com and I'll send you a link for Monday's meeting. It's two till four in the afternoon, British summer time uh, on Monday, as I said, and all you need to do is join the Zoom call. The first week was really flexible. We'll be further honing that as we go forwards. My overall uh, requirement for my networking meetings is that everyone gets to speak to everyone and we get to develop really strong relationships. And we do that by having really interesting conversations and sharing tips and strategies and learning with each other as well. So if you're interested, go to counterweightnetworking.co.uk. And as ever, the show notes are at powertolivemore.com forward slash 157. And we look forward to speaking to you next week. Use your power to live more.